You're listening to the Women in Motorsports Special Edition episodes by the Racer to Racer podcast presented by Raceline 2. This episode features Maria Kofer, who also is a USAC midget driver. Yep. She, uh, in fact, they were supposed to make their debut last weekend as far as with her new team. I, I guess they ran last year, but they were supposed to make their debut again for this year last weekend. And uh, unfortunately, the weather has turned very cold in the Midwest and in Indianapolis in particular, and <laughs> RP just couldn't have the races. So I don't know when their next race is going to be. I was hoping to be able to kind of, you know, say how she did or whatever, but uh, very talented, uh, comes from a very talented, um, you know, her father was a great midget racer. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, she's, she, I, and I didn't realize this time we were talking to her. She had actually was part of the Toyota, uh, program at one time and, and she was in North Carolina doing the stock cars and that sort of thing. And she just, uh, she's just trying to make a go at it in auto racing and, uh, super nice, good interview. Um, uh, and I just, I wish her nothing but the best. Oh, absolutely. And special thanks to, um, Dave Goss, who's part of Goss Beckman. No, it's Cox Beckman and Goss, right? The accounting firm. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and they're actually a sponsor of, uh, Maria and one of the, one of the partners of that actually owns, owns a race team. So special thanks to them for, you know, helping us get this set up. Yes. And if anybody needs any tax help, they are the people to go to. Yep. I I have used them. Yeah. Yeah. They are great. I've known Dave for 30 years, probably. He's probably, he probably regrets knowing me for 30 years, but I've known him for probably my entire working life. Um, and, uh, great group of people do great work. Uh, and they, they do a lot of auto racing, uh, people in auto racing and race teams. They do a lot of their, their, uh, yeah. counting and tax work. And, and Dave is a big, big fan of, um, Indy cart racing, the Indy 500 big collector as well. So, um, yeah, I've, I've known Dave, for probably most of my life, to be completely honest with you, because he's been good friends with my dad for a while. So right. definitely a great guy. And yeah, no, I think um, definitely a great interview and um, definitely hope everyone enjoys. Yeah, please enjoy. Our guest today drives the number 57 National Midget Car for Apicus Racing. We're joined by Maria Kofer. Maria, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Well, Aaron, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So talk a little bit about how you first got interested in racing. So my dad used to race dirt midgets. Um, We're originally from California and my parents are still located out there, but he was a racer um, back in his day. And so I think I kind of got the bug from him. However, when we, when I got interested in it, he was building dragsters at the time and doing a little bit of um, like 7.0 Pro stuff out at Formosa Raceway out in California in Bakersfield. And I thought at first I wanted to do uh, junior dragsters. And then he quickly gave me the idea of, no, let's do some circle track racing or um, dirt racing, something like that. And I just had no idea of it at the time. And so it wasn't until I was older that I did some research on my own and discovered these um, outlaw carts that they were racing out in Red Bluff, California. And after a basketball game, basketball tournament, um, he took me down there on Saturday. And then Monday, we were picking up my first go-kart. 
So what'd you yeah, say? Tanner about- Holmes. Uh, yeah. We've talked yeah, to Tanner say. Holmes and obviously Tanner runs out there a lot too. And that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny now to see, to be in the league that we're in and um, to see all the kids that, or I guess we aren't kids anymore, but kind of be racing against still the same people that we were racing against out in California in go-karts. It's like we all graduated and uh, started racing midgets. <laughs> So would you say at that point when you started racing out low cards, like, did you have like a goal to, I mean, a lot of kids like say, Oh, I want to race in the Indy 500. I want to race NASCAR. Like, did you have a goal at that point or no? Yeah. Um, you know, I really didn't, I was just doing it more because of a passion, um, and a hobby. I love just spending time in the shop with my dad. Um, and I am super grateful how supportive my parents have been throughout my whole racing career that, you know, um, I think they really made a point to make sure that when we were going to the racetrack, there wasn't any pressure and we were just going there to have fun um, and do something that, you know, my dad and I both love. And so I really think that my career just built off of that type of foundation rather than having, you know, try to strive for goals and stuff like that, which now that's changed a little um, as it's gotten more serious. But at the beginning, I would say um, I didn't really, you know, I didn't go in having any specific goal. I was just doing it because I loved it. Right. Did, did, um, now you're probably too young to really remember watching your dad race, right? As far as midgets. Yeah. Yep. He was, he was no longer racing. Um, really after, or he quit before I was even born. So yeah. yeah, I think I went to one chili bowl with him, but that was about it. Um, cause he had gotten in a bad accident in Vegas, I believe. Um, and then he quit after that for the most part. So, yeah, I, I remember watching him a lot, um, and the, on the thunder races and that sort of thing back in uh, the nineties and that, um, great race car driver, um, fast race cars. Um, I think I read, I was doing a little research. He, he somebody picked up like, would that be correct? He picked up his first win, though, back in the Midwest in Granite City, Illinois. Yep. Yeah. That's funny. That's the first racetrack I ever went to uh, when I after I was born. I was six oh. weeks old. Same racetrack. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm from Southern Illinois originally. Got it. Yep. That's one of his favorite stories to tell. Him and so it used to just be him at that time. It was him and my grandfather, and then I believe maybe a couple other guys, but. They were on the road from California, trucked out there, won that race, and they gave them like a big salami and a pack of beer. Um, And they were supposed to go home. And my grandfather was like, no, we're not going home. We're going to keep racing. And so uh, I think they continued their little, uh, ah, whatever, uh, like race trek out in the Midwest from that point. But yeah, that was his first win. So you ran, you ran outlaw cards and for how long did you run outlaw cards? Probably for about mm, like seven or eight years, I'd say. So you had quite a bit of time in them. And at that point, um, when you were kind of getting to the age where, uh, man, maybe I don't know if I want to run these anymore. You know, you, you obviously had a big, <laughs> your family had a big background midgets. Did, did you think about just, go ahead and get in sprint cars or did you just say, nah, I really want to run the midgets. 
Yeah, we did think about sprint cars because those are pretty dominant out there on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you definitely get more of a car count and you have a little bit more options of like places to run. You know, we're so where we're based at in California is pretty northern. So we kind of if we would have gone with a sprint car, it would have allowed us the option to either run. um, They had a nice little series up in Oregon or they had one based in like several based in California. So logistically it kind of made more sense to go the sprint car sprint car route but um being that it was just my dad and I uh always doing you know we didn't have any other extra help or crew guys the sprint car is pretty big so it would have been um a pretty big animal for us to try and tame there at the shop and at the racetrack and things like that um and then with dad's midget background uh it was just a little bit more of a maybe not comfortable, but just more of a familiar place for us to start um, and make that transition out of the go-karts. So, What was your first midget race at? Let's see. The first one was at, it was supposed to be at Petaluma. And then I got in a, we were testing and I got in a terrible accident. I got the first big one out of the way, as my dad would say, uh, right off the bat knocked the motor out and all of that. And so I think my first one actually ended up being at Placerville or Chico. Yep. I yeah. saw, I saw that, I guess that, that must be that video that's on YouTube. Um, you turned into one and biked up and took off. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, probably like a eight out of 10. <laughs> on this scale it was hard it looked hard yeah did at that moment there did you think to yourself i I don't know if i want to do this or not i mean because that's that's always the test that first big one's always the test yeah um and it really wasn't that wreck particularly wasn't what um so my confidence was killed uh because after that big wreck we went and tested again And I tipped over and it was just a little Tommy tip over. Um, But that had crushed my confidence because I was like, man, I can't even wheel this thing by myself, like, let alone when I get out there with a ton of people. But thankfully, I was never scared. Like I had never been, whether it be in the midgets or the go-karts, like I, I haven't been scared of, you know, injury or the car particularly. I just had, really, I just had no confidence, which is a tough one because you can't go by that in the trailer, you know, that's a hard thing to overcome. Um, and so after that big accident, no, I wasn't scared ever. And it did, I wasn't nervous to get back in the car, but I was just, uh, you know, I just had no confidence going into it. And that was a tough one to gain. But I think over, you know, after a year or so running out there on the West coast, we were able to, finally get some time under my belt and I got more and more comfortable, um, as we went on. So. We've talked to some drivers about this. Like, do you think, I I would feel like it'd be harder to like, I don't know, it would impact, it would impact me more like to watch another driver get hurt bad than myself. Because we talked to like James Hinscliffe. Obviously he's real good friends with, um, Robert Wickens. And he was saying like for him, you know, it kind of affected him more to see what happened to Robert than actually what happened to him because he, I mean, he almost died as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, that's an interesting like point because I'd say like, that's very fair and true to say. Um, It's just something about when, you know, when you take the blow, it's, 
you know what you can like what your threshold is and what you can overcome but then if you see like just a former competitor or somebody else who's racing it's just you it does hit a little bit differently um so yeah i i would agree with that one so you've been around the racing scene obviously in why is california and oregon has always said Mm-hmm. that area and also you've been around a little bit in the midwest like would you say the racing scene is different over you know on the west coast than it is in the midwest or i mean is it i, I don't know I, i've never been around, i've only been around like the midwest so got it yeah um i would say it's pretty i mean pretty similar end of the day you know we're, we all show up to drive around in circles sure. on the dirt um and everybody shows up uh with best intentions and you know um to really to with intentions of going there to perform at their highest, you know, um, trying to be as competitive as they can with the best stuff that they can. Um, I would say the biggest difference is just the car counts and sorry, my dog is snoring down here, (laughs) but, um, I would say, yeah, the biggest difference in the Midwest is, uh, just car count and the frequency of racing that they do. I mean, you can rack up 35 or to 50 really races in a season if you want it to. However, in the, in, um, on the West coast, you're doing the everything you can to get 20. So that's probably, I'd say the biggest difference, um, in comparison of the two. So was your first one, was that Petaluma? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was was that 2018. Yes. Yeah, I, I was watching that for anybody who wants to watch a race. Um, 2018, what around June of 2018, something like that, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so at that point, there good competition. Uh, you know, David Prickett, Chase Johnson. You know, good drivers. Um, at that point, there. It seemed like, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong. At what point did you decide to come back to the Midwest and do some racing? Was it 2019? 2018. So you did come back in 2018 as well. Yeah, I did. I got an opportunity to run for um, Petrie Motorsports was my first uh-huh. opportunity that I had received. Um, and I got the chance to go run a handful of races with those guys in the Midwest and then or Mideast, and then um, after that, I ran with Keith a little bit. When you, so you, you get your win, and, and then at that point, I don't know if you'd already been back here running with running for those guys or not, but um, at that, I mean, that has to be a huge uh, confidence boost, right? And then especially when you drive for Petrie with Terry Goff, who at the time was turning wrenches and, uh, you know, of course, Keith and everything Keith's done. Like getting to work, start work outside the family race car uh, and getting to work with these uh, great chief mechanics, you know, and Terry was a great driver, especially in TQs. Um, how would you say that affected the way you started racing? Because obviously family car is one thing. And then, then when you're in these higher rides it's a different deal it is um 
And I don't think much has changed per se, like in the way that I race. I think I've always kind of had the same style and um, attitude and mentality going into a, a race. Um, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, in a, a track that two people show up or, you know, a big national show, I'm going to race it the same way I would, you know, any other show. But I would say the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from, you know, having the experience with all those guys, I'm so incredibly grateful for each one that I've had because each one has taught me such a different lesson and has really opened my eyes and <clears throat> made me realize like, okay, this is how the the big dogs do it or you know this is this is the way the, the this is the big leagues right like this is the next step um and I'll tell you what the new team abacus racing that I'll be driving for this year uh the take that they're taking and the way that they are going about how they're doing this program and this deal is something very different than I've ever experienced um with any other team and I I'm extremely excited and I think it's going to be you know it's going to catch a lot of eyes and it's going to make a lot of noise and so I I'm really looking forward to it so yeah you, you started running when and when did that deal come together was it last year did it was it beginning last year middle last year um let's see so it came together I would say probably about May of last year um, just a few, you know, exchange of phone calls, exchange of emails, and then finally a meet, like a meetup where we met in person. And then our first outing was BC 39 of last year. Um, and then Chili Bowl or, and then the West Coast swing and then Chili Bowl. So, yeah, but this is going to be 2022 is really our first like launch of committing to a full schedule and season together. So. You're talking a little bit about, or you referred to, you know, national midget racing as the big leagues. You know, I, one question I ask a lot of drivers is like, did you have like a welcome to the big leagues moment? Like just something that happened. For example, like we interviewed Jimmy Kai and for him when he was driving an IndyCar, um, his first time, I think it was his first test during IndyCar, he was driving through the pits and he saw like Ari Leondike's pit board. Um, and he was like an idol to him growing up. So just, it was like maybe something similar. Um, yeah, I would say, so like we kind of were talking about previously of like the confidence booster that you get after winning at Petaluma. Mm -hmm. Um, well, we had won that race, like, I think from start to finish by a pretty heavy lead. And so I was feeling pretty confident. <laughs> I knew that the USAC guys were, you know, it was a different level. Um, but I did feel like I was going to be, you know, pretty good. And then I would say just, you can tell when you walk through the pits, it's different. Like people are there. I mean, that's how they put food on their plate for dinner. It's, um, you know, they're, it's their livelihood. And so you can just tell the energy is just different and they aren't messing around. They're not there to make buddies. You're not there to make friends. You're there to do business and to do your job. So we've got, so are you, uh, is your season kicking up? Cause you guys didn't run Florida. Am, am I right in that or am I wrong? I didn't, I don't yep. remember you guys going to Florida. Yeah, we did not go to Florida. Uh, so are you going to start in Duke at Ducoin then in two weeks? So or we're next week, I guess it is. 
Yeah, we'll, we're scheduled to run, actually, our first outing would be um, at Lucas Oil in the pavement midget. Um, oh, okay. Yep. And then following that, for the dirt side of things, our first outing would be April 1st and 2nd at Farmer Speedway, Farmer City. Right. Yep. Um, okay, I didn't I didn't realize you guys were doing pavement as well. Oh, that's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, we're super um, excited for that. Who, who who's your uh, crew chief on this deal? So my dad came out here, and then Kirk Simpson out of um, California as well. Okay. Yeah. The um, and I, I take it you've moved back to Indy for the summer. Yeah. Yep. Have you? Um, I mean, is this the first time? I mean, did you go away for college or anything like that, or is this the first time you've kind of been out of the house like that? So I know you guys I'm, have a ranch out there that you help on a ranch. So, yeah. you know, that's obviously pretty, pretty serious work. Yeah. So I moved actually from McDowell, California, where the ranch is, where family is, all that. I moved from there um, two and a half years ago to North Carolina. I relocated. Um, so I've been away from home um, and I'm familiar with it now. I'm comfortable with it. So moving to Indy just feels more like home because we have the race shop here. You know, I can bring my dog with me. My dad comes out here, crew chief comes out here. So, and we have the shop, which the shop, wherever the shop is, feels like home to me. So um, I like it so far. And I'm, like I said, I'm just super excited and thrilled for the season to start. Now, were you part of the uh, Toyota racing development deal? Is that why you were in, in uh, North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. So when I, that was kind of the first reason why I moved out there was because I had an inkling that, you know, I had access to some pretty cool things that they had, um, some facilities out there. And I just thought, you know, you got to be where, where everything is and you got to be present to be noticed kind of a thing. And, you know, if something were to happen, I want to make sure I'm there to fill the spot or whatnot. And so that was the first reason why I moved out there. And then over time, I just kind of fell in love with North Carolina. It's beautiful and people are nice. All my friends are there, um, our majority of them. And then, so yeah, I just, I just decided to stay, even though I kind of stepped away from the, or the Toyota deal uh, I'm not a part of anymore, but yeah, I'm still there. Yeah. We've got a, uh, Jagger Jones uh, is you know, a frequent guest on here, and he's going to school at High Point down in oh. North Carolina. So, yeah, yeah, he Jagger, he really likes it down there too. Nice, yeah, Jagger. Um, I think Jagger and I were teammates during one race out in Irwin, Irwindale, California, in a late model deal. Oh, with Huddleston. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, with Tim, it yeah, was fun. He's a good guy. Was, he ran. Yeah, he had a good weekend. He's running. He's doing the USF two thousand thing right now, and mm -hmm. he ran uh, ran eighth and third down in St. Petersburg. So, okay, yeah, nice. Yeah, that was a really fun experience running with Tim. Yeah, no, Huddleston's had a good program too. That was a really yeah. good program. Uh, um, you know, so you did the Toyota deal, and for whatever reason, you, you're kind of not part of that anymore. At that when when you kind of cross that bridge, I guess what I'm getting at is, I mean, where do you see yourself in this sport? Do you see yourself um, still running at 
35 or do you have like a a time frame in your mind like hey if if i'm not where i want to be by this time you know i'm gonna do something else mm-hmm. um i think there is i mean a little bit you know i i don't want to be 50 and still trying to drive it but it really just depends where i'm at what during that time right. of my life so um it's hard to say now but I know that for the next five, 10 years, I'll push as hard as I can to get myself and um, hopefully Abacus, if we're still together and all of our sponsors and everybody who's involved, um, you know, hopefully we can continue to grow and proceed the way that we are with all the momentum that we have. And I, I mean, who knows our limit, you know, the sky's the limit and it might just end up that we become a household name. I don't know. So, uh, you know, I think that's the goal. I don't know where particularly that would be. I don't know if that's the NASCAR route. I don't, you know, I'm not sure, but sure. I know that we'll give it all that we have, you know, for five, five, ten years. And it just kind of depends how far we make it. Right. So who, um, who are all your sponsors on this, uh, on your program? Oh, well, <laughs> we have a handful of them. Um, and it's so awesome. I'm so grateful for every single person on that team because without them, obviously it wouldn't be happening. And it's so cool how genuine every single one of them are. But um, we have, let's see, we have CBG, which is Brent Cox and his um, partners. And then, and he's also the owner. <laughs> and then we have Indy Custom Stone, Viva Tia Maria, um, Amber Blends, Ice, the Ice Barn, um, Prime 47. We have, I mean, and there's a few more I know that I'm not hitting on, but um, yeah, we have a handful of them. You can, anybody can go and see on the car. They're all listed on there. I have them on my suit. They're on all of our socials in the website. So, yeah. I've never been to Prime 47, but I would think that'd be a pretty good sponsor to have. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, the food is incredible. That's for sure. It's one one place that I always want to go to when I'm in Indy. <laughs> With uh, so you know the payment deal. Of course, you've run payment now a little bit. You know, obviously, before um, how much? So have you guys had much testing yet? Did you test it in the last year or anything, or do you have any tests coming up before your first race? Hopefully we can get some testing in. I think that's the plan. Um, you know, however, with like tire supply and stuff, we'll see how that limits us because that's kind of a factor right now, unfortunately. Um, I think testing is crucial. Uh, last time I was in the pavement car was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Um at the night before the 500 race at Lucas Oil. Mm -hmm. And that was a bummer because we had tested in California prior and came out there and had a hard time getting stuff to run. So I think hopefully we can get some testing. That would be the plan. That would be the ideal situation. Um, but I do think they'd have one practice night before the race actually happens out there. Yeah, it's good. You know, you're right. I mean, Testing's such a big deal when it comes to payment, but like you said, and this is something that 
hard to believe, but getting tires right now, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Mm-mm. And it's sure not with the dirt cars either. So, right. Yeah. Hopefully that's something they can get resolved or, you know, find a way to keep, uh, like the qual or quantity control under and, you know, continue, make it to where we can all continue to race on our weekly basis. So. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, that's for sure. Um, I know what was around chili bowl time. They were trying to get people to bring tires back so they could take them out there. You know, get, you know, give you credit for tires you didn't use so they can take them out there and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you, do you think that, um, I mean, when it, when, when you really look at it and, and where you want to go, um, do you think the payment deal is, you know, cause it, it was gone, especially back here for so long. I mean, we just didn't have any payment midgets or hardly any payment sprint cars or anything like that. There's some wing stuff. Do you, are you, is that something that you're looking forward to doing more of? And I realize it's a small schedule. It's what, like four races, five races, something like that, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but is that something that you're really looking forward to doing is, is just more that pavement? Yeah, um, it is. Absolutely. I think no matter if it's dirt or pavement, it makes the driver better racing is racing and you want to be diverse. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to the pavement races just as much as I am the dirt. And I'm in a situation where Abacus is doing things so differently than anybody else. And, their approach that they're taking is um, so different that it makes me able to do that within the people that we have behind us and supporting us, you know, we're able to do both of those and kind of go in the different facets of racing. And I'm, I'm really excited for it. I think it's important to try and get in any type of car that you can. Um, even, even if it's a go-kart or like a cart, a pavement cart, um, I think all that stuff matters. And, um, you know, you kind of see people like Kyle Larson doing it now with going into the late model stuff, running a sprint car here, running a midget there, running the cup car, you know, um, I think it's, I think it's important to kind of get into whatever kind of car that you can, because again, it makes you diverse. And I think that's kind of the key. You've got to be able to drive whatever you get in. Right. Um, so I guess being a female in the sport, like, did you have like any role models like you know pro- like other females like who who has done who have done like what you're doing or you know in higher levels or whatever like has there ever been anyone that you know you, maybe you've talked to regularly or you've got a lot of advice about from uh i think all the girls in the motorsports really industry uh mm-hmm. we all get together well um in chat you know um i i don't think there's like one particular i i hope that i'm a good role role model to any, you know, especially the up and coming racers. Uh, I know it is a, it's a, the sport, it gives, you no. um, it's a tough one, you know, it's pretty hardcore. And so I hope that, you know, anybody, especially the younger generation coming up, they don't ever get discouraged and, you know, they can see that me along with all the other females in the sport, uh, as long as you keep keep pushing and doing what you love, you know, you can make it as far as you want. Right. So a- another big part about racing today really is social media. 
And obviously, you know, we can talk about all the people who have YouTube channels and just interact with people on social media. Like, I guess, what is your kind of approach with social media? Like, do you have, you know, any plans for the future to, you know, really just grow on, on that front? Because obviously, it's, I mean, it helps with branding. It helps with, you know, sponsorship, all that. Yeah. And that's the key, right? Like, um, if it was just me, even a year ago, I would have told probably told you that oh, I'm terrible at social media and I, I really don't use it much. I don't look at it much. However, now with the way things have changed and the way time has changed and, you know, social media has evolved, it really does. It's a huge outlet. I mean, you launch one or you post one video and it gets 60,000 likes, you know, so it just brings that much more exposure to the driver, to the team, to the sponsors, which in the end, that's really the key, right, to this whole thing. That's the winning combination is to make everybody successful. <clears throat> it's not just about making the driver successful or the team or the spot. Like, the, uh, I think that's that's kind of the key and what really makes makes or breaks something and also makes it really stand out is that, you know, all parties are getting benefited from it. Um, and that's just all the more the exposure. So, <laughs> sorry. What's, uh, what's your puppy's no. name? No, what's your puppy, what's your... Is is that the dachshund that was in the videos, like your home videos? No, this is uh I have a big knucklehead now. He's a Rottweiler and his name is Cody. He's about uh 117 pounds. I can't let him go Ooh. over 120 because then I have to pay double for his heartworm medication, and that's Ooh. not happening because that's not cheap. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I thought that's Scott's um stomach growling. <laughs> well, it could be. We talked. We talked about Prime Forty Seven. You know, I know. I'm a big yeah. guy. I like to eat. Uh, I think I'm a little hungry for some Prime Forty Seven. <laughs> Could go for a big steak. <clears throat> you know, it's um, it's a uh, it's it's a really interesting uh, dream, right? Auto racing, um, because it, it's because racers, like I've never met I. I've never really met somebody who was a driver who didn't love it. Right. I mean, like there's the, you know, they weed themselves out pretty quick. If they don't love it, they, they kind of go away, but you know, somebody by their mid twenties, late twenties, that person really loves the racing and the, and the grind. And, um, and unfortunately in the sport, it's just, just how it is. 99% of the people who do it, there's, going to be more nights where you don't win than when you do. And I don't care who you are. You know, Kyle Larson doesn't win them all. And uh, for somebody like yourself, who's, you know, obviously, you know, fully committed. I mean, you moved to North Carolina, you moved to Indiana. Um, what is it that, what part of it is it that drives you? Is it, is it just the being the best that you can be? Is, is that what really drives you is, is, more yourself like proving to yourself or is it that you're like you got a, a, an end goal if yeah that makes sense. <laughs> yeah no absolutely um and you know Scott it's uh it really for me what it is is it's not only proving to myself but I think you can um it's kind of pushing everybody else to be you know you know that everybody on that track 
that's up in the front running is laying everything they got on the line. Cause like you said, you have to be fully committed to the sport or else you kind of trickle out, you know? Um, so for me, when I walk into the racetrack, you know, that those people are fighting with everything they have. And when you beat them, that means <clears throat> you just are that much better. And, um, you have, you know, you fought that much harder for that night. And I think, it's a, it's a grueling sport, like we have said, but, um, it's a constant, uh, it's a constant competition between you and yourself. Um, and you have to make sure I like also the aspect of you have to push your team because it's also a huge team sport. You know, I couldn't do it without, um, my dad and Kirk wrenching on the car and Brent as a team owner and, you know, the sponsors behind it. I couldn't do it without them. It really is a team sport. And I think it takes people with like a winning mindset to win a race. And when you have that group of people behind you, um, that makes it successful. So I think that it's really cool, fun and like cool. And that's part of one of the neatest things about motorsports racing is you get to see people um, down in the trenches and then you also see them in victory when they get that little taste of win like winning but also one win or one championship doesn't mean you're done you know that's just that's just one one taste of success you still have to work you know work hard through the whole season and you know you're working the shop everything matters and so it's a constant it's a constant battle of like putting your best foot forward and making sure that you check all your boxes in the shop in preparation and then on race day too. So, um, yeah. It's a, it, it's really, and I've told people this, you know, I've told a lot of young people this, that I, I had a race shop for 20 plus years and, um, we'd see like young family, you know, young, younger kids come in and people with the dream and stuff like that. And I always would tell them if, if you as hard as you can, no matter the results, you'll never run across anything in life. That's as tough as going racing. Mm -hmm. um, and being, you know, and I firmly believe that. I mean, it's just, there's so much that goes into it. There's so much dedication, so much time. I mean, you know, outside of being a parent, I guess I should say. But as far as anything else in your life that you're going to do, I, I just don't think there's anything tougher. Um, because unlike, say, music, like a band could tour, right? It's sort of like traveling to the races. But typically the band doesn't run the risk of destroying all their equipment, you know, and then having to repair all of it uh, to get to the next concert. And that's what racers face. And uh, it's just... Um, and I think, like you said, I think you just have to have that mindset to that you're just going to overcome. Like we just were to, in order to succeed, we have to overcome. Yeah. And I think it's also really important to have that mindset and not only just fixate it of whatever the result of the race is, you know, like I think that's you overcome a failure or you overcome successes, you know, um, and I think that's really important because in racing, there are so many highs and lows. And so you got to let those lows, you got to learn from them 
and just let it run off your back like water and move on to the next, you know, and keep digging. Like you can't um, get stuck on that, on that one bad weekend or whatever, you know, you'll have bad weekends, but you can always learn from them. So I think that's, it's a hard one to keep and maintain, but I think that's really important to have that. Right. So obviously racing is a very physically demanding sport. Um, what, what kind of training like do you do? Um, when you're not racing? I have recently for like last year, I've been doing CrossFit, um, Mm -hmm. at a place nine, two to six, uh, CrossFit. It's in, it's in North Carolina, but, um, yeah, I've been doing CrossFit and I, I love it. Um, it's just competitive and, you know, you're in with a group of people, but that's, that's what I tend to do. And if I don't have a gym available, I just go for like a run or, you know, try to do some, something body weight work, um, at the house. Yeah. That's something that, um, you know, it's, it's, of course, today's cars have power steering, which back in the olden, olden days they didn't, and they're somewhat easier to drive, but people don't realize even a midget, how, like if you're up in the cushion and, you know, it's trying to rip the wheel out of your hand and, uh, and how physically demanding, just even those cars are and then you get like a dirt late model where it's so hard on the right front the steering gets real heavy and um i i think there's this this i think i think this has gone away and we, we kind of brought up a while ago uh about being a woman in sport and i feel like that is like i feel like the term woman like a woman race car driver female race car driver is is going away because um, the ability to start at such young ages and the ability to come up to the sport, um, you're now, you know, everybody's just drivers. And, uh, I, I think the only, the only aspect to that is, is the physical part, but it seems like that with the way the weight trainings is to weight trainings are today and that sort of thing, that's something that can be overcome. Do have you noticed a big difference in the way like you drive today versus when you first started? Maybe you weren't doing CrossFit. Although I know, like you said, you worked on the farm, tough work, hard, demanding work. So maybe you don't see much of a difference. Thankfully, yeah, I was always, you know, I was an athlete in school and then I was working on the ranch, which was always outdoor, you know, tougher work, I guess. Um <clears throat> So I was always like pretty in shape, I guess, physically, you know, but I'd say the endurance is the biggest thing. And I do notice a big difference with incorporating CrossFit and more like cardio based stuff into my workouts and routines that I don't get winded as easy. Um, And I think that's been a huge, a huge uh, benefit. And I think, you know, for me anyways, as a woman, my upper body strength, as it, it wasn't as strong. Um, and I know it took me a long, long time to be able to do even a pull up. And now, you know, whether it be CrossFit or whatever, um, I feel that my upper body strength is way, way better. And that's been a huge, huge factor. Right. Um, do you, you ever do like any kind of cart racing? I'm obviously outlaw carts, but like indoor cart racing or outdoor car racing pavement no i really? yeah i haven't gotten the chance to do that yet i i plan to here soon um mm-hmm. 
but yeah, no, I haven't because we have GoPro Motorplex in North Carolina. Oh, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. So I plan to go out there and make some laps. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we don't have anything like that in Indy. <laughs> well, we got indoor. They, they have, I mean, these well, indoor got, places. You got uh, Whiteland. You got Whiteland, but those yeah. aren't so fast. But you do have Disney Newcastle. Place. Yeah, Newcastle. Newcastle. So, I mean, you can get a cart. I mean, you can do some serious, you can burn some serious laps at Newcastle. That's a great track, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we kind of wind this down, um, you know, I, I personally have watched you race a few times. I've seen you run like the BC 39 and that sort of thing. I, I think you're extremely talented. Um, and, and I think that, you know, but what the West Coast, how many races would you get a year out there? Like 18? Yeah, maybe? at most. At most. We wouldn't even go to half the shows because they were so far. <laughs> so, right. And that's, and, and the gas prices and everything kind of going on, that, that's, really sad because California has such a great racing history and it's just, it's hard to go racing in California right now. It's, Absolutely. it's very hard. Absolutely. Um, but you're back here and you're looking at, at roughly a 40 race schedule. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so is, is you're kind of looking forward to it. Do you have goals? Um, like where you want to be at certain points in this year? Like, you know, cause I would say by, I'm spitballing here by roughly early June, you're going to be about where you normally would have been your whole season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do, and, you, um, do, you, do you kind of have like markers in your mind kind of, Hey, I need to be doing this by this and this by that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do. And I'm always a little bit hard on myself, I think. (laughs) So, you know, I always want to be there yesterday, but I know that's not the case. Um, However, I am really looking forward to having 35 to 40 races this year because I haven't had that amount um, since the go-kart days, honestly. And uh, the key is, is like out here, you have 35 to 40 races back to back to back to back, you know, out on the West coast, we would go, we'd race once and then wait a month, race again, wait another month, you know? So, um, I'm really looking forward to being in the car almost every weekend. I think that's going to be huge. Um, and I can't wait to learn so many new things and just be in that race car. Well, I think the one thing you're going to really get a chance to learn too is, um, especially as you go through those tracks, like you mentioned farmer city and, I'm sure Jacksonville and I mean, just all those tracks over there. Um, I don't know if they run Lincoln or not, but anyway, they, uh, is it different surfaces, the different conditions, you know, and, and the different competitors. Cause then, you know, cause you got to start kind of building your, your book in your mind, how this person races, how that person races, how that person's driving. And, uh, and I think that'll be, I think by the end of the year, you'll be, pretty surprised of how far how much further down the road you are than you even think you can be because you've got so much repetition by that point yeah I'm I surely hope so (laughs) but um yeah it will be very interesting to see how well the team and I can adjust to all the different tracks that we've never been at you know that we've never seen um 
and race against people that we've never raced against. So it'll be, it'll be fun. It's going to be a huge learning experience for all of us. Um, but we're excited and I think we're ready for it. We're prepared. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, I know that we're, we're ready for whatever, whatever it brings. (laughs) Well, Maria, I, again, I enjoyed watching your dad race. Uh, I've enjoyed watching you race. Uh, I plan on going to a lot more midget races this year than I have in the last few years. Um, so, you know, I hopefully I get to watch you run a, a lot this year. And I personally wish you nothing but the best. And I hope to see you get some of those big checks and be able to hang those on the wall for all the effort that you guys are putting in. I'll get <laughs> to a lot of a lot of stake at Prime 47 with those checks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's the, uh, that's the game plan. So we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully we can see you guys and everybody else at the racetrack. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's starting here soon too. Uh, man, it's, it's amazing how quickly it comes on. I remember, uh, this time of year, it would be about mid March and then depending on where your shop was, all of a sudden you can hear, just in the distance, you'd hear somebody push off and you you hear somebody's sprint car start or somebody's yeah. modified or something, you know, and it, it's just it's just funny living around here. You you uh you get to kind of pick up all those noises and that. So yeah. again, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You've been an absolute joy to talk to. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Aaron. Um, thank and you. we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, sounds Take good. Take care. Thanks. Yeah. Bye.